For thousands of years, God has made promises to people that he keeps. We're in a series that's called Live More, and we're, we're, this is the third week. Um, and it's just a, really, the, the series is built around this, this, this statement that a lot of people make. I know I've made. I know a lot of people make this at one point in their lives. They say there has to be more to life than this. Like, it's not just about paying bills. It's not just about going to work and getting a paycheck. There has to be more to life than this, right? And really, this is, um, this is our, our way as a church to say, um, this, is, this is why we started the Grove in the first place, because we believe there's more to life than just going through the routine and just going, going through maybe the, the past, the, the, living the same way uh, your ancestors have lived, your, 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 your relatives, your parents have lived, and living beyond that. And so really, it's this idea of living more. Um, we said the first week that it, it's a, about a promise, promises God made. And that a promise is an offer with a guaranteed result. And God always comes through with his, with his, with, uh, his results that he, he says. He says, this is the offer. I guarantee it. And he always comes through. He's faithful. So the first week we said it was about promises and how we need to know his promises. We need to understand his promises. And then we need to pursue his promises. And the way you learn those, well, every Sunday we talk about these things that God wants to lead us in. So coming to church is one way. Reading the Bible is one way. Getting in, in, with relationships with other people is another way to learn these promises. Uh, last week, Robert did a great job. He talked about start here. Really the first core promise uh, there's four promises we're going to go through in this series. And the first one is really about salvation. It is about starting here. Because sometimes when you feel uh, enslaved in life, you feel empty, you feel exhausted, uh, really the answer is taking God on that first offer of salvation, the first promise of salvation. And he said, he said a great statement. He said, rest is a condition of the soul. You know, if you're looking for a vacation to give you rest, it's not going to happen. Because vacations don't give you rest. It's really a condition of your, of your soul, who you are, and it's something deeper than that. And he said the way we do this, if we're going to start and we're going to accept that first offer, we need to repent, we need to let go, and then we need to commit our life to God. If you didn't hear that message, I would encourage you to go online and listen to the, to the iTunes or the message online, and you can catch up on that. This is where we get the four core promises in Exodus. So the people of Israel, they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And then God says, I'm going to rescue my people that I made, this, all these, uh, made a covenant with, uh, that I was, they're going to be my people and they're going to represent me to the world. So the, so the, the people of Israel were enslaved in Egypt as, as slaves for, for many years. And God comes and he, he sends Moses to lead them out of slavery, out of captivity. And this is what he says through Moses to the people of Israel in Exodus 6. Uh, he says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. The first I will, the first promise. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. So we see the first three I wills, and those are all a personal individual thing to, to an individual person. And then the next one, he says, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. And then all of a sudden it goes to this community. And we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks when we get to that promise. And he says, then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So before this happens... God says, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to to take place. I'm going to do these miraculous things. We're going to free you from slavery, and you're going to know that I'm I'm the Lord. I'm I'm God. You're going to know it. It reminds me of Jesus, how he tells his disciples, hey, this is how it's going to play out. And he tells them before everything happens. So he says, when it happens, you're going to have more confidence. You're going to understand that I'm not just saying I'm the son of God. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen, predict the future. It's going to play out the same way. And when I come back, like I said I will, then you'll be able to believe that I, that I really know what, what's going on. So it's real similar. The story, there's like these, these parallels that's happening in the people of Israel and then that God is trying to do in everybody else's life in the rest of the world. And so he gives these four promises. And the four promises are these. The first is the promise of salvation. That was the that was start here last week that we talked about. Uh, the first week we kind of talked about these four just in general, the four promises, and then all the other promises God has for us that we need to learn them, hold on to them. And then the second promise is the promise of freedom. 
And the third promise next week will be restoration. And then the fourth one is, is the promise of fulfillment. So every year during, during Easter time, Passover, uh, the, the, if the Jewish people will, will take these for, 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 their, for their communion, for their meal. They'll take these four cups that represent these four promises, and they'll drink to each one of those. Saying, hey, God promised salvation. And they'll drink that cup, and they'll eat, and they'll go to the next one, and they'll say, God promised us deliverance or freedom. And they, they remember that. And they go through these four promises every single year to remember the promises God made to them. So God made the promise thousands of years ago to the, to the Israelites. Jesus comes on the stage, he comes, he dies, and he lives, he, he wants us to accept these same exact offers that God made to the people of Israel. He says, I'm opening it up to everybody. I mean, you don't have to just be Jewish, you can be a Gentile, you can be any, any, any nation, any, any nationality. It's open to us, so it's open to you and to me. And he says, these are the four things that I want, the four core things I want to do. There's more than that, but these are the four core things. And really our church has, has, has built, the Grove is built around these four core promises. Everything we do, our structure, our programming, is really these four things are the main things that we're trying to do, which we'll talk about. So today we're on the promise of freedom, and I want to talk about being outside the box, all right? So you've heard talk about, right? Think outside the uh, box, bun. Good, good try. Think outside the bun, because they're tacos, they're not burgers, right? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about outside the, the box. They, they even have this motto. It says, it says, live moss. So we didn't like steal from or anything, but, you know, our live more, um, something, something better than what they're trying to tell you. Live more, you know. I read a comment that says, if you eat a lot of Taco Bell, it's actually you're going to do the opposite. You're not going to live more, you know. But anyways, so outside the box, this is what I want to talk about today is we want to we be people who live outside the box, all right? This little icon that we have every, every um, for the series, we try to create an icon that kind of has symbolism, has meaning to it, has something just to kind of attach to the, to the lessons we're teaching. Well, we create an icon. My wife did a wonderful job creating this. Um, it's, it's really a box that has been broken open uh, by a cross, right, which represents our way out of the box, uh, which we'll talk about, and, and how, how because of Jesus dying on that cross, it gave us a way to be free from things. Uh, see, the people of Israel, they were slaves to the Egyptians, and they were they had taskmasters who made them do, um, you know, work and build things, and um, and, and just they, they were at at the the will of the Egyptians. So they were slaves. They weren't they weren't in control. They they had somebody else that was in control of this all, and so essentially they were in a prison of slavery in a, in a box. Um, the Bible says that just like the like the Israelites in Egypt that were slaves, we as people get enslaved to sin. And we live inside a prison or a box that we choose, that by our own choose, uh, cho- choosing. And so, um, really, that's what the box represents that we have. Um, but it's broken open because there's a way out of it. And that was last week's point of last week's message is there's a way out. Um, there's freedom. Because of the cross, because of what God has done in our lives, he's given us a way out of that prison. So I remember growing up, I had friends, I, I would tell them I'm Christian. I'm like, oh man, I feel bad for you. That, that's, so, that's so sad. I'm like, why would you feel bad for me? Well, you can't do anything fun. Uh, it's like you, you're so limited. You're like, you, you, you're not free to do whatever you want. I says, well, no, I, I, can, I can still do whatever I want. I just choose not to do those things. And I think what, what happened, they were mistaken by thinking that, that freedom meant doing anything you want, anytime you wanted. Which in the short run, it kind of seems like that. But the reality was, when you choose certain things, they become the very prison that you have to live in the rest of your life. In some cases, for the rest of your life. Like one bad choice, one bad decision can last for, for a long time, right? And so, by me saying, well, I'm going to choose to follow God because his word says there's these certain things I need to do. And when I do them, I have more life. And, and so, um, actually, I am actually more free than them because... 
the choices they made created a prison they have to live in. And I, I, I understand this because there's times in my life that I make choices that I get stuck in the box. And I'm like, oh, man, this created something that I did not want in my life. And we get stuck. But by not making those choices, I have more freedom. Now, there are parameters that God talks about in, in his word. In the next series, you're going to love it. It's, it's kind of about that, saying, hey, there are some parameters, but there's freedom in that. The same way an artist can do um, better work with a canvas that he can look at, right? There's, there's a border there, but he understands what to work within. There's limitations, but, but it brings more creativity. It brings more life. Or if he had everything, it would be kind of like, well, I don't know what to do because there's so much. So the, that's kind of the opposite of what I'm trying to say is, is we choose a lot of times the choices we make create the very prison that we have to live in. And so the idea is we want to live for something more. And in fact, if you go up one, one slide for me, uh, next, uh, up one more, sorry, the backwards. Go back to that first one. I don't know if you can see it, the live for more. We actually have a little number four right behind live more, right? And the idea is well, there's something, there's, there, there has to be more life, right? Well, live, choose to live for something more than just whatever it is that's holding you back. Live for something more than what you've been living for. And that's really the message of the Bible saying, hey, there's something more to live for. I have, God is saying, I have something greater than what you could ever dream of. Live for more. And that's really the heart of this series is we want you to live for, for more. More than what culture tells you, because there's more than that. There's, God has so much more for us. So uh, the box, sorry, next one. And then a lot of times, uh, the reason we get stuck in the box is because there's usually something very tempting and very attractive inside of that. You know, the enemy, when he came and tempted Adam and Eve for the first time, it was something that was good. It was good to the eye. They saw it and said, ooh, that tastes really good. And then he tricked them and lied to them. You know, that there are um, certain ways, I guess, to, to trap um, um, monkeys in Africa. You know, you don't have to just get a net. Uh, if, you, if you put some kind of fruit or something really good inside of a, a, a jar um, and, and, and they, they find it, you know, it could be a big jar at first. They find that apple or whatever it is. They like it. They eat it. Um, and the next time you could put a jar that, that actually is a little tighter, they can get their hand in and they grab it. And then they are so um, they won't let go of the apple. So they're just stuck in this trap. And, and it's like their own choosing to stay there, even though they can let go of the apple and get out. They want that so bad that they actually get stuck in their own prison they're holding on to. Sometimes we as humans do that very same thing. We want something that is very attractive. And in some cases, not even really necessarily a really bad thing. Like it could be Facebook, right? Um, you know, we could, we could point at something like, um, like, like uh, alcohol and being drunk, right? And say that's a really bad thing. But if somebody's spending six hours on Facebook, that is something that's just as, as, as enslaving as as something like alcohol. And it could be that we choose it. A lot of times the very thing that we're choosing entraps us and enslaves us and keeps us. And so that was last week's message. But the reality is, is, is living in a box is really less than living. Uh, it's really living in a prison. It's really living, um, you're not free. Yeah, you, get a, you have freedom to choose that, but what does that choice then create in your life? Is it, if it's less than what you're hoping for, you are probably tricked. And the good news is you can let go of that at any time. And that was the point of last week's message. So today we're going to talk about, um, so God says, I'm going to rescue you from, from Egypt. I'm going to save you. That's what the cross is all about. Jesus dies on the cross to say, I'm going to give you away from the very thing that kills sin. Sin brings death in our life. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you the very, I'm going to, I'm going to enable you to be able to overcome the thing that, that brings death in your life. And so that's the first one, the promise, I'm going to, I'm going to free you. I'm going to, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to save you. And we all need to take that first offer and say, God, I, I accept your salvation. But then he says, then I will free you from being a slave. 
If you read that, it's kind of like, well, didn't he just say he's going to free us? Is that like the same thing? But there's a difference. Because the people of Egypt, they were slaves for so long, they didn't know how to think any differently than a slave. So when they got into the, into the wilderness, when they started walking towards the land God was leading them to, they kept thinking like a slave. In fact, they would even say sometimes, like, you know what, we should go back. It was better there. I'm like, are you crazy? Do you remember getting beaten with the whips? You think that's better than being free? But because that's all they knew, they get stuck there. And so he's saying, go to the next one. Really, we're talking about getting the Egypt, the Egypt and me getting that out of us. So he rescued them from Egypt, but the process of trying to get Egypt out of them is really what he was trying to accomplish after the next step. Because he knew, once I rescue you, you're going to have to continue to trust me and move forward with me. So it says this in Ephesians, that God saved you by his grace when you believed. All you have to do to take that first offer, that first promise, is believe. Believe that God is who he said he is, that Jesus is the son of God, he died. When you believe that, that's when salvation, that's when you, you get saved. You're trusting God for something, for salvation. And it says that we were saved by his grace when we believed. The first promise is the most important promise because this affects our eternity. This affects forever. And it stands all alone. You know, um, which I'll, I'll show you in a while. So when you believe, that's it. So, and he goes on to say, you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So some people say, well, it's just so easy. You just pray a prayer and you believe and that's it? Yes. And the reason God set it up that way is because he wants us to know that it had nothing to do with you or with me that, that, that got that salvation. He doesn't want us to confuse it with good works. And this is one of the things I think that separates Christian, Christianity from every other religion is you don't have to do anything except to receive this gift that he has for you. And that's the first promise. We all receive it, and that's salvation. But he doesn't want us to stop there. And the sad thing is a lot of people stop there. You know, we, we created the grow because we want to help people to take that first promise and say, all right, I'm going to come in a relationship with God. I'm going to take that first offer. I'm going to take that step towards him. But we didn't create it just so they could stop. We want them to keep going. Like there's more to life than just that, just, just knowing that you're saved, that you have uh, your eternity secure, that you have a relationship with God. There's more to it. It's, it's, it's a step. It's a, there's more steps to it. But he doesn't want us to confuse that salvation is all from him, not from us. It's a gift. All you do is receive it. And he says, if you, when you believe, that's when you're saved. So, but you might say, well, but doesn't the Bible talk about all these things that we have to do? Yes. But that's not, we don't do things to get saved. I'll show you this. In Philippians 2, remember, trying to get the Egypt out of us, work hard to show the results. This is Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Work hard. So you've been saved. Now work hard to show the results of your salvation. That's the next, the next offer. He's saying, all right, so I want to free you from being a slave still. Stop thinking like a slave. I've saved you. You're now a child of the king. You're part of the family of God. Now stop thinking like the past. Let's move forward with this. So work hard to show the results of that salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So get this. As you accept Christ, you become a Christian, he begins to work inside of our lives if we let him. And we can stop. We can say, no, we don't want that. Because he doesn't push himself. But he says, if you let him, he, he's working in you, giving you new desires. So when we become Christians, he begins to show us, hey, there's something better than the box. There's something better than the candy that you want to grab and hold on to. The, the thing that's not really all that helpful in life. It looks good. It tastes good. feels good. But it's not going to create freedom in your life. It's only going to create more of being a slave. So he's going to give us new desires and the power to be able to overcome these things. 
And that's what he's offering us in the second one. So it's, he's saying salvation is an instant. It's a belief. It's, it's our heart saying, God, I, I accept this. I, I believe it. I believe in you. We become Christians. That's an instant. But this next promise, this next step, it's a process. Many, for all of us, it'll be a process. We'll be working for the rest of our lives because it's God trying to free us from thinking like a human being in many ways, of thinking as the flesh. And we'll talk about this. Um, but he's given us a new desire and power. Uh, the great thing is you don't have to join a church to be saved, that first, first promise. You just accept it. You believe. You're saved. You're part of the kingdom of God. You don't have to join this church or any church to have that. Now, I'd encourage you to be a part of church, which we'll talk about in a while. But you don't, you don't have to join a church to have that. That first promise is all alone by itself, most important thing. One of our focuses. When it comes to overcoming, though, and going to the next thing, we have to understand that we are triune beings. So God made us with these three parts, all right? First, we have a body. That's the physical part of us. This is the things that, that eats and takes in. Um, there, there's, it's, when we let the body be in charge, uh, we live a reckless life. Because it's all about pleasure. It's all about what feels good. It's all about um, what makes me comfortable. And so there's the, the body is part of us. And then we have the soul. And the, the easiest way to explain the soul is it's the mind, the will, and the emotions. It's the deeper parts of us. Um, it's it, what goes on. And if we let the soul be in control, you know, we're an emotional wreck. We still live a reckless life. We just, we're, we're, we're led by our emotions and by our feelings and by what we think. And just because we think it doesn't always mean it's right. Right? You with me? You ever had a thought and you're like, well, I thought it, it must be right. And you're like, somebody else is like, ah, that's a really bad thought. You're right. I shouldn't think that. Sometimes we think because we thought it, it's, it's right and we should do it. No, that's letting the soul lead by our emotions, our wills, what we want, those things. There's a third part to us. And this is the spirit. This is the part of us that's, that's like God. God is spirit. He put, a, he put a part in us a spirit that comes alive when we say, God, we invite you to lead us. When we become Christians, this is the part of us that comes alive. Well, here's, here's, here's what I tell you. One of those three is leading right now in your life. So if you're being led by your body, Man, you're, you're just living your pleasure, everything that feels good. You're, you're going to live a reckless life, and you're going to end up in a, in a prison, in a box that you create for yourself. If you're le- being led by your soul, by the emotions, by what you feel, you're going to ha- live a reckless life, an emotional reckless life, that's, that's going to also lead to a box, because you're always worried about whatever else is things. You, it's just, or you can be led by your spirit. And this is the invitation that God has given us for that second promise. He's saying, would you help, let me help you stop thinking like a slave. You're free. Stop thinking like that. You don't have to be held captive by those thoughts. And he leads us in. So there's really three kind of components that, that go with, um, with this, this promise. All right? He wants us to have victory over sin. Victory over sin. Um, three focuses, the, the second promise. He says that really sin is making bad choices. Um, it's kind of how we can define it is it's, it's what we do to ourselves. It's the choice we make to grab the things. A lot of times that God says not to grab like, he told Adam and Eve, hey, eat of all this fruit. You're free to eat of all this, right? And so really they had more freedom than the enemy told them. He said, just not this one tree. And what did they go for? The one tree of, of good and evil. And he says, he said, don't eat that one. And it's really sin is them making a choice to disobey God. Make, it, it's what we do ourselves. all right? Uh, so victory over sin. In Romans 7, it says this. So maybe... In your life, you think sometimes like, well, I just can't overcome this stuff. Like, I struggle with these things. Am I ever going to overcome? Well, an apostle wrote about his own struggle. And so you're in good company. If you ever feel like, well, man, I, I, I don't know if I'll ever overcome these things that I struggle with. Apostle Paul, he says some good things in Romans 7. He says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, 
evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me. It's waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. Hear what he's saying? He's saying, I keep going back to this box mentality. I, I keep getting stuck. Like, I want to do what's right, but I just keep going back to that box. I'm stuck. He doesn't stop there, which is good news. He goes on to say, what a wretched man I am. Man, why do I keep going back to this box? Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then he gives us the answer. He's like, oh man, this is hopeless. Like, how can I, how can I ever overcome? And he says, who's going to rescue me? He says, thanks be to God. Who de- Say this with me. Who what? Delivers. Delivers. Gives freedom. He's the one that gives us freedom from these things. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So because of the cross, we can have freedom over these things. We can overcome those. It's a process, and God wants us to work with it, but we have to keep let him, let him move forward. So he wants, to, uh, have victory. he wants us to have victory over, our, over sin, the things we choose, the things we do to ourselves. He wants us to have healing from our wounds. All right? So if, if sin is what I do to myself, then wounds would be explained by what others have done to us, what others have done to you. Maybe you have some hurts, right, from the past, Maybe some disappointments, uh, some some th- maybe maybe even abused. Maybe you went through a really bad growing up. You went through you, your family went through a really bad divorce, and you were, you, you were affected by that. Maybe maybe somebody that you love died, and there's a wound, there's a hurt that you're just like so upset about. Maybe you just feel messed up. You, you say, "I didn't choose this. I didn't choose this." Well, that's what wounds are. What, what others have done to us, but God wants to give us healing from those wounds. He doesn't want us to see what happens if we get, if we don't allow God to heal us from our wounds, we get stuck at just salvation and never improving. We get stuck at that process of it all being about me all the time. And really that's just being led by our soul because we're saying it's all about what I feel. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. And we get stuck. And God is saying, no, don't stop there. Move forward. In fact, studies show that 87% of people who accept Christ, they get stuck in the second promise. They stop right there. Like they don't move forward. I don't want our church to be the 87%. In fact, we've designed it not to be. Like we're saying, all right, we want to connect people to God, get them saved. We want people then to be free from their, their old way of thinking. But we don't want to stop there. Man, you've got to keep moving forward. We want them to find fulfillment. We want to find, be a part of, of God restoring us back to that original intent, which we'll talk about next week. So if you don't heal, you're going to get stuck. And it's not to be. It's not fun being stuck. We want you to keep move, moving forward. So when it comes to healing from our healing of, for, for our wounds, in Ephesians, Paul says this: and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. So we have an enemy who's trying to make us anger angry. And a lot of times it's from those wounds. When people drive and they're just angry and upset, there's something that's feeding that. You know. Some insecurity, some, some maybe somebody has abused them and, and they feel like, like they're out of control, uh, not a, like they don't have control of the situation, so they have to try to overcome and try to you know, be aggressive. Something's feeding the, that anger. And so he's saying from those wounds that you have, it's going to produce something that's not any good. And we have an enemy that's going to use anger and anything else really to, to pull us um, to, to be less, live less than God wants. And the whole point is he wants us to live more, not less. So don't. Don't, don't let anger control you. Don't let it lead you because of what you've experienced. And here's the truth. If you don't let go of your past, you're never going to be able to live the more. If you hold on, as long as you're holding on to your past, you're never going to be able to go into the future of the more that God has for you. 
you have to let go of that and, and find healing. And the third thing is this. So uh, victory from sin, healings from wounds, and he wants us to have authority over the enemy. Now, this is one of those, one weird, those ones that people might say, well, so a devil, like there's really like this, this evil like spirit that's trying to win. Like this is kind of spooky and weird, right? Well, Jesus says we have an enemy. It's a real deal. The enemy is a fallen angel that wanted to, to go against what God had. And this is what he earned by, by doing that, by trying to say, I want to I become God. And so he's a fallen angel that went away. Well, he hates us. First, because we're God's creation. Second, if you're a Christian, he really hates you because you're, you're on God's team. And he's like, I'm against everything that God is for. And his strategy is to try to trick us, to, to get us stuck in a box, to let, make us live, live less. And here's the thing. If he can't stop us from being a Christian, he'll at least try to stop us from living the, the, the process and going through the, the next steps that God wants us to. He'll get us stuck back at always being about me, working on my wounds, all about me. And if he gets stuck there, we really don't fulfill the next two that are really important that we need to get to. So we have an enemy. Just as we have an enemy, he wants to take you out. In fact, he says he's like a, a roaring, a roaming lion looking for somebody to kill, to devour. He goes on to say this. He says, when, when it comes to authority over the enemy, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty, this is Ephesians 6, power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a, your stand against the devil's. Man, he's, there, he's out there on the drawing board planning something for your life. He's scheming. Because he goes on to say, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against Rulers and against the authorities, against the power of darkness, the power of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So he's saying there's a lot going on. It's just like God is spirit. We can't see him. His work is evident, is evident around us. We can see what he's doing in our lives. Well, there's an enemy, and his work is evident also. He's trying to create chaos. He's trying to create all these things that, that bring about the opposite of what God has. So on top of our dumb choices and on top of what people have done to us that we don't want them to do to us, we also have an enemy that's trying to mess us up. So he wants us to learn how to have authority over him. Because if, you're, if, if you accepted Christ and you're following him, the Bible says that the spirit inside of me is greater than the spirit inside of the world or inside the enemy. Like God's spirit is inside of me as I follow him, so I can have authority over the enemy. But we have to learn how to do that. And this is how God wants to do it. So when it comes to the promise of freedom, or they, the Jewish people call it the, the, the cup of deliverance, the second one, the second promise, he wants to deliver us. When it comes to the cup of, of freedom, we have to, we have to um, allow God to work in our lives. There's a couple ways he does this, all right? In Romans 8, when it comes to the promise of freedom, he says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. It's like, all right, let's move past the past. Let's move forward. Because God is saying, you're free, let's live in this. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. He's given us the ability to move beyond that. Deliverance. We have to keep moving with him. And here's the thing we have to understand when it comes to this promise, is we all have issues. You have issues, I have issues. God wants us to work on these issues. That's part of the process. And if you don't think you have an issue, that is your issue. Okay? It is, because you have issues. And as soon as you don't think it, that's when you get stuck because you think, I'm perfect, I don't need to work on anything. No, it's not true. You have issues. Let God work in you. Let God move, move through this. He goes on to continue to say, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, they think about the sinful things. So he's saying, all right, so if you want to move past this step, you have to change the way you think. Those that are dominated by the sinful nature, they think about what? Sinful things. The past. The box. They're stuck thinking about all the things that keep us from what God has. 
But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, these are the ones that say, all right, God, I want you to work in my life. I'm going to allow you to move and, and help me move forward. They think about what pleases God, what pleases the Spirit. That's important. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting your spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So he's saying if you want to overcome, you have to begin to think like God. You have to let God work in your mind. He wants to, he wants to help you. Here's the key to this promise. Relationships. Relationships are the key to be able to accept this promise and move forward. If you change your associations, you will live more. What I'm saying, what I mean by that, if you change the associations that are pulling you back, holding you back, you'll live more. First, the relationship with God has to get stronger, where you begin to understand what He's trying to lead, where He's trying to lead you, and how to think better. The second part of this is your relationships with people has to change, and I think this might be even more important than what what. But letting God work in your life. Because you could read the Bible, you could pray all the time, you can come to church all the time, but if you don't change key relationships that keep drawing you back to the past, to Egypt, they're like saying, hey, let's go do this again. But didn't that, that didn't work last time. Yeah, let's keep doing it. It's fun. And your, your associations keep pulling you back. You will never be free. Relationships are key. In fact, Proverbs says this in Proverbs 28. Part of relationships means you have to be honest and open with other people. He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So it's about letting, letting our, being truthful and saying, I have issues. I'm going to be open. And I, I'm going to be open. And how many of you guys know this is not a good setting for all of us to send up and say, hey, I have issues. Let me tell you all about my life. we are like, whoa, that guy's crazy. That guy's crazy. Man, don't go like that. This is not a safe area for that. But there is a safe place in relationship with, with a close few people that can say, hey, man, can I help you with that? That is not healthy. That's destructive. That's not a good pattern. That's not a good habit or addiction. Let's break this. But we think, well, if I tell them, they're going to think less of me. If you don't tell them, you're never going to be free. It's about letting people in. If we confess, we find it. This is when it comes to God. So 1 John 1, 5 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So God's part is forgiving. Salvation comes from him, right? But how do we guarantee we don't do it again? That's really the issue. So he frees us. He, he gives us salvation and says, you confessed, you're now free. So how do I find healing? Well, James tells us the way we can help guarantee that we won't do it again is, James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So telling other people about your issues and your struggles and your sin, it doesn't bring salvation, but it does bring healing. You know why? Because when you have close people around you, you say, you know what, I have an issue. Would you help me with this? you're less likely to go back to it when you have people that are holding you accountable. So relationships, they're key. So go to God for forgiveness, but you go to people for healing. So the right people, they'll strengthen you. In fact, throughout the Bible, it talks about people that are, that are Christians. That they, 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 he, he talks to us as if we're a family, that we're in a relationship, we're a body, um, we're a group of people. It's, it's usually in, in the plural, like you guys. Like it's a community of people saying, let's do life together so we can live more. So when you figure out your associations and get them right, you will always grow. When you get the right people surrounding you, you'll begin to think right, you'll be able to act right, you'll begin to do more. So here's a couple of steps that you need to take if you haven't taken them. If you're going to move past this, the first one is water baptism. Water baptism is so important. It's, it's declaring uh, that you have a new association, that you are now part of the family. Uh, you're part of It's a public declaration saying, I'm now going to follow God's way. 
I want people to know. In fact, in Acts 2, it says, those who accepted the message, those who believed, they were then baptized. So baptism doesn't bring salvation, but it does show that you're changed, that something is happening in your life. They go on to say in Acts, it says they believed and they were baptized. As soon as they believed, then they were baptized. Baptism is going to happen September 20th after church on on our one-year anniversary. So if you haven't been, I would encourage you to do that. All right, next thing is church membership. Now, you don't have to be a member of our church. You don't have to be a part of our church if you don't want to. There's a lot of good churches. I have some great pastor friends around our city that I would, I would recommend you to if you don't think the Grove is, is, is a church for you. But I do encourage that you need to be a part of a church, a part of a body of believers, a group of people that says, man, I have issues. But I know you have issues too. So why don't we work together to, to, make, to, to get, get out of Egypt and get Egypt out of us? All right? So if this is not your church, you still need to find a church to be a part of and be faithful to it. Um, there's over 30 verses that assume Christians are a part of a community of believers or a family. They just, as it talks about it, it's like assuming you're a part of a group of people that you faithfully and regularly attend with and go with. And the third thing, this is probably the most important thing we do as a church, one of the most important things is small groups. Small groups is just a few people that you spend time with. Um, we're starting our series next Sunday at Starts. I would encourage you to find a small group. There's 12 small groups that you can sign up for. End of service, I'll announce those and show you who they are, what they are. But I encourage you, every single day of the week, we have a small group. Some for guys, some for women, some for families. Find a small group that you can be a part of and say, hey, as you begin to build relationships, you can say, I, can, I, can, I think I can trust this person. Man, I, I need to open up. I need help. I need encouragement. And you begin to do that with them. So here's my challenge for you if you're going to ever live outside the box. All right? First, if you have made the decision to follow Christ, so if you have made a decision, I would say, man, your first step is choose to follow Christ. And I'll, I'll lead you in a prayer if you want to do that today. But if you have decided to say, I want to follow God. Last week I said the prayer, man, I, I, God has saved me. The next step. If you're serious about that, you, you've made a decision to follow Christ, then those who most influence you, those who most influence your life, need to be influenced by Christ. I'm not saying cut all ties with all people that aren't Christians or don't, that, that don't go to church. Just don't let them be your main influences in your life because they're going to have, it'll be a tendency to drag you back to Egypt, back to the box saying, hey, let's go back to that place. But there's no life there, but let's keep going there. You need to get people in your life that can say, hey, can I help you? Man, positive people. You need to find marriages that have strong marriages that you can be encouraged by and learn from. Find other business people that, that, that live these principles out that you can learn from and grow from. People you work with, they might, they're probably there. You just have to look and begin to ask and try to find our church, we have some great people that want to help you out. And whatever issue has, whatever issue you have, I guarantee there's somebody in our church that has bigger issues than you. And many of you have gone through the same issues you've gone through. We'd love to help you find those people. One of the ways is small groups. So that's my challenge. This week, would you evaluate and say, what relationships are pulling me back to the places that God doesn't want me to go? And keep asking God to lead you. He's giving you a new mind and helping new desires, the power to do it. But if you don't, if you don't stop letting the people influence you in the negative, you'll never be able to move forward with that. All right? So make sure you join a small group. Um, I'm going to pray. And uh, before I do, if you're here today, our church is built around this idea of saying, uh, we know a lot of people are looking for the more. There has to be more life than this. There is. And God has more to life for you. If you'll begin just to trust him and turn your life over to him, you know, salvation, it's in an instant. Like we said, if you confess, if you believe, you're saved. Well, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you never said, you never um, entrusted your life to God, man, I would love to lead you in a prayer. 
but just says a simple prayer saying, God, I need your help. God, I want to turn my life over to you. I want, I want to get, be free from Egypt, from slavery. I don't live in the box anymore. And if that's you today, I would love to lead in your prayer. So would you do me a favor? Would everybody close your eyes, bow your heads. If you're here today and you say, I'm, I've been living in the box for too long and I want out. And I want to tr- turn my life over to God. I want his help. I need his help. I'm tired of being a slave to, to, to Egypt, to my sinful nature, to the sin that I choose. If you're here today and you would like to me to lead you in that prayer, would you just lift your hand and say, I'm here and I, I need that? Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? See those hands? Very cool. Anybody else? I want to trust God with my life. For you that pray that prayer, would you just repeat this prayer after me? Would the rest of us, if you're a Christian, would you join in and just encourage them with this prayer? Simple prayer, just saying, I, I trust my life to you, God. I want, I want to be free. So say, Father God, today I invite you into my life. Forgive me of my sin, of my choices that led to that prison. Free me from the box. Help me to live an abundant life. Give me the power to overcome these things. Give me new desires. I trust you today. I believe you died on that cross for me. And I believe you rose from the grave. And because of that, I'm alive in you. Creating me a new person. In Jesus' name I pray.